We are in a series right now called Eight Keys to Victorious Living. Eight Keys to Victorious Living. I know that for me, one of the things that, um, you know, I've been around long enough to, uh, you know, live a Christian life and have ups and downs and sideways and all of those types of things. And uh, one of the things that I notice is uh, that there are a lot of ups and downs. But when I read in the Word and I hear Jesus' words and I hear the apostles' words like Paul and Peter and, and others, um, you know, they talk about an abundant life. They talk about uh, being victorious and all of those types of things. And a lot of times you just don't see a lot of Christians walking victorious. Now, when I say that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, you have a lot of money or you have you know, cars or, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, Jesus said, I, the, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know that. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So that's everything. That's life. That's your life. Life is meant to be enjoyed, is it not? Uh, and uh, Jesus promised us that life. And I believe that God is a spirit. God is spirit. Uh, the book of John tells us that. And so we know that God is spirit. We know those things. In fact, um, I, you know, when growing up, uh, I had a real interesting experience because I've uh, been in church my whole life, like some of you have, and uh, since I was eight weeks old and, you know, that type of thing. And uh, I grew up in uh, what you would call, I guess, a traditionally traditional black church. And our church, the, the name of the church was the Holy Spirit Center. So you can just imagine from there, you know, what kind of, I mean, it was, wow, you know, Sunday morning and, you know, that whole, I don't know if you come from a sort of a Baptist background or Pentecostal or no church or whatever, but it was, it was outrageous, you know, on Sunday morning, that, just what you think, the stereotype. Uh, but I went to Catholic school. So growing up, I went to Catholic school during the week and we had to go to mass on Wednesdays and, and that was more like Gregorian chants, you know, like, Lord and also with you, you know, and it was that type of thing. Nobody got crazy. And so I would, I would see that during the week, and then i go to church on Sunday morning. I was like, what just happened? What is going on, you know? And uh, so I didn't know who God was. I didn't know if he was crazy. I didn't know if he was ethereal. I didn't know what was going on with the Lord. And so uh, I had to kind of figure that out and find him out for myself. But one of the things I do know that as much as God is spirit, ethereal, or whatever it may be, he is also very practical. God gives us very practical things to do as human beings, very practical things. Do this, and this will happen. Don't do that, this won't happen. I mean, there's some practical things. And I think right here in 2 Peter, he's given us some practical things to live by. Uh, as you'll see, he says that we will be victorious if we live by those things. So start in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse number 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. But if you're reading from the traditional King James or the NIV or the ESV or the NCV or the ABC or the WEV, uh, I'm sure we'll get to the same place together. Amen. The Spirit would lead us. So the Bible says Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. How many have obtained like precious faith? Just like Peter and the disciples and the apostles, amen. With, uh, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. God is about multiplication. To you in the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, that means you have to try hard, <laughs> add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, and that includes sisterin, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The King James says never fall. You will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so looking at these uh, things here that uh, Peter tells us that we need to do, we, one of the things that we notice right off is that he first says, add to your faith. Notice that he doesn't say add faith. The first week we talked about faith. Faith is something that if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have confessed him, you believe in your heart, uh, you know, and you confess the Lord as your Savior, then he has given you a measure of faith according to Romans 12, uh, verse 3. You have a measure of faith. So you all have some faith. And I don't mean the worldly kind of faith, but you have some faith. And so you, you already have that. So you don't need to pray and beg and ask God to add faith to you. Now, we want to strengthen our faith. We talked about that. Just like any muscle on your body, it's not going to get strengthened unless it, uh, you know, unless it endures some resistance, right? You have to exercise your faith, and it will strengthen. But you do have faith, and so you have faith. But he said, uh, that's not enough. In other words, for by grace you are saved, uh, for by grace you are saved through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We have gotten into heaven, we have an entrance into heaven because of God's grace and our faith, but it's not enough. Otherwise, we would just all die and go to heaven, right, if that was enough. So the cross is so much more uh, than just salvation as we know it, so much more. And I thank God that it is. He wants us to live a victorious abundant life so you have faith and he said add to your faith virtue last week we talked about virtue that being moral excellence excellence of character to live above board and one thing that I want to remind you about virtue is simply the fact that virtue is not just something uh, as Peter put in another uh, scripture uh, to be men pleasers with eye service Okay. In other words, that, that means that virtue is not something that you exude or you uh, you'd use uh, just when people are looking. Virtue, character, is something when no one else is around and you can do whatever you want to do. You can steal the thing, you can what, curse at home, whatever you want to do, you can do all of that, uh, but you don't. You don't. You choose not to because of character. 
And, you know, one of the things that Forrest, you, you would probably appreciate this. Uh, actually, I don't know because you're, you're so good you don't need to practice that much. But, um, <laughs> but you may appreciate it as a musician. One of the things, I used to be in sort of amateur bands growing up. And, um, you know, we'd play around the neighborhood and do all kinds of things. And one of the things I found out is when we practiced and we just said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get it. You know, we didn't really practice that hard. When we went to perform, or even when I was in a Christian group, when we went to minister... Uh, one of the things that I found is it, it wasn't that good. You know, it was like it just wasn't that good. And I, I learned that the way that you practice is the way that you perform. You know, if you practice, we had one guy, uh, Derek. We had one guy, man, in our group. Our group was called Ordained. And uh, we had one guy in our group. It's like every time we practiced, this guy would sing his head off. And I was like, Derek, why are you yelling and singing so high, you know, in practice? And he said, that's just the way I am. I can't, you know, we're practicing or ministering, whatever. That's the way it comes across. And he was always excellent whenever we uh, sang, whenever we ministered. And so I think it's like that with your character, too. The way you are by yourself when nobody's around, that comes out. I mean, you can fool people sometimes, you know, that type of thing, of course. Uh, but why not just be that way all the time? That's what God wants us to do. By the way, he says to add these things. Remember, remember, Peter said this. The Holy Spirit said this through Peter. If you add these things, you will never stumble. I don't know about you, but how many would like to never stumble? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I would like that. It hasn't happened to me yet. I'll just confess. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, but I, I would love to get there. And so um, he's telling us to add to your faith virtue. And then this week we want to talk about add to virtue knowledge. Now, remember, you add. He doesn't say think these things, meditate on these things, hum these things, you know, pray these things, add these things, do these things. This is action. Now, folks, this is action. All right, I know you're a good prayer, and you worship real good, and you have real good tears, and you can sing real well, and all of those things, and they're all good. We need to do that, to press into the presence of the Lord. We need to be a presence-driven people, uh, but there comes a time where you got to get up off of your knees and go out into the world and do something, okay? And so, uh, the, this, do these things, he says, okay? If you do these things, you will have victory. Let me just also remind you, uh, we're getting to knowledge, uh, but let me just remind you about victory. Victory, remember, is an act of defeating an enemy. How many know that you have an enemy? You do have an enemy, whether you like it or want it or not. <laughs> you have an enemy, and so, uh, it, you know, or an opponent, something that comes against you. Uh, you know, it's kind of like this. You, if you've ever been out on a boat, out on a lake, uh, I think I've only done that maybe once or twice actually in my life. But if you've ever been out on a, a boat on a lake and you're not, you don't have, you put your oar in the, in the boat, you don't have your uh, motor going, you're just sitting there. And every, the lake is calm. Even the winds are calm and you just sit there. If you sit there for about a half an hour to an hour, you'll notice that I wasn't rowing. I didn't have my motor going I wasn't paddling with my hand, doing anything, but all of a sudden, I find myself over here on the lake when I used to be over there. And life is like that. If you don't do anything, you'll find that it'll just carry you. It'll just carry you, maybe to where you don't want to go. So we must be on the offense when it comes to life and when it comes to our enemy. We've got to do something. 
We've got to do something, and you will have victory. What is he? He's given us victory. We know that. He's given us victory over several things. I'll just remind you some of the things. He's given us victory over the world. Jesus said that. I am he who overcame the world. He's given us victory over temptation, victory over sin, victory over discord and worry. Worry is a sin. <laughs> He's given us victory over depression, sickness, all of those things. I, we could name a hundred things, but he's given us victory over all of these things. But it's up to us to grasp the victory. We have to do something. He said, if, if you do these things and they abound in you. If you do these things. So they don't come to you automatically. We are responsible. We are responsible for where we end up in life. Now, I want to say this. God is sovereign. We know it. The almighty God, he is, he, he, the earth is his footstool. God is so big that the universe is in him. He's not in the universe. He's not out there in the universe. He's bigger than all of that. I mean, just think about that for a moment. So God is sovereign. He does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. He is the almighty God. But the way that he set things up is to have a relationship with us. And so there's a part that he does in the relationship, and there's a part that we do. He doesn't have to do that. I mean, he's God. He could speak a word. He could do whatever it is that he wants to do, and he could make us puppets. He could do all of those types of things, but he doesn't. Why? Because he wants relationship with us. He wants relationship. And so for any, people, any two people in a relationship, uh, there has to be something done on both sides. And so understand this. Know this. Jesus is responsible for your salvation, no doubt, right? All we have to do is accept it. Believe in your heart, uh, Lord Jesus died on the cross, confess with your mouth, God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. For with the heart we believe, and with the mouth we confess. And so all you have to do is accept that, and you, and you have salvation. Jesus is responsible for your salvation, but you are responsible for your maturity, you can, you can go into heaven a very immature Christian who lived a terrible life. You can get into heaven having lived a terrible life. Come on. But it's, it's not God's purpose and it's not his will for your life. Remember in Genesis, and uh, I had this written down sort of in my notes in my message, and then I heard it uh, on Tuesday night, and uh, it just kind of reconfirmed some things for me. But remember in Genesis when uh, Cain uh, when he came to God and he brought his offering and God was not pleased and, uh, you know, he was all upset and mad and his lip was all stuck out and, and, and the Lord talked to him and said, well, what's wrong with you? You know, you mad because I, I, I accepted Abel's offering because he gave me the first of his fruits. He gave me the best. You waited for a while, used up some stuff and then brought me uh, the second and the third and the fourth of your offering and now you're mad at me because I didn't accept it. What's wrong with you? He said, if you do well, uh, would not I be happy with you? Genesis chapter 4. Uh, but if not, sin crouches at your door. Sin waits for you. But here's what he said, we, and, and that's for all of us. Sin is waiting. But here's the thing. This, listen to what he said after that. He said, sin crouches at your door, but you must overcome it. I'm not going to overcome it for you. I've, I'm, I already overcame the world, and I sent my spirit to give you power to do it. Now you must apply it. You must overcome it, Cain. And so that applies to us. You must overcome it. You're responsible 
for your maturity in God. Where you are today, no matter if you're 12, 20, or 80, uh, you can go back to, you know, what you, the seeds that you planted last year, right? And we have to realize those things. And it's okay. Don't worry about it. If I'm, you're not the place that you want to be in life, don't get down. Don't get down like Cain. All you have to do is start planting some seeds. You'll never get a great harvest unless you start planting seeds now. And it begins with you. It begins with you. And so we want to be fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why is that? See if you can, and I hope you're paying attention to me now, or I know this is a participatory sport here. So see if you can, um, see if you can finish this sentence for me, all right? See if you can finish this sentence. Some of you may know it. Uh, for my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Great, yeah, we got some scholars in here, all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty popular scripture. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. My people perish. Now, with the, with the scripture, one of the things that you can do is you hear God say something, then you know the opposite must be true. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. So if they have knowledge, then what? You live. You don't perish, right? Simple as that. Not a trick question. And so we're going to talk about this key, this key of knowledge that we must add. By, by the way, one other thing, uh, I know I'm getting the knowledge, but um, remember, add literally means to bring alongside. Add also means to minister. That's what add literally means, to bring alongside and to minister with what I already have, okay? So we're going to add knowledge, this third key, knowledge. Now, knowledge defined, it comes from this uh, Greek word, gnosis, all right, here in Peter, and... Um, it's interesting, most of us know the definition of knowledge, okay, and it is what is known, all right, an awareness or familiarity gained by experience or fact in a situation. But when you really look at the, the, the Greek word gnosis, it also means seeking to know. It's, it's an active word. It just doesn't mean not information, right? It means seeking to know, inquiry, investigation, right? Inquiring minds want to know. Come on. And so this word gnosis denotes in ordinary Greek the intelligent comprehension of an object or matter, but it means to come to know. And I, I'm emphasizing that because uh, you must understand that God is really unsearchable, right? I mean, we could, uh, we, I think we talked about this. Uh, I was talking about it with someone that you can, I think you, Sister Sharon, you can read scripture, uh, you know, read it over and over, and then you read it again, and it, a whole new revelation comes. It's because God is just unsearchable. We'll never know everything there is to know uh, about God. So you can always find out more. It's a continual thing, right? And so the question for you when it comes to knowledge is, uh, especially the knowledge of God, do you know God or do you just know that God exists? Even if you have given your life to the Lord. Now, I'm even talking to Christians. I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you said, uh, you know, in, in your heart, you know, Jesus, yes, uh, he died on the cross and you confess that with your mouth. And, uh, but is that as far as you've gone? Do you know him or do you just know that he exists? This knowledge Peter is urging us to add here is more than knowledge about something. You know, knowing that there is a subject called math is different than, you know, knowing geometry or, you know, combinatronics or whatever it might be. 
you know, I know that there's math, but I don't know what all that is, uh, right? And, so, and I still don't know what it is, but uh, so, it's, so, you know, there's more to knowing than just knowing about. And that's the question. That's the question we have to ask ourselves. The exercise of faith is based on knowledge. Let me say that. This is important. Because I think what happens is sometimes we look at faith and we just, we hear faith worked for other people and we just say things arbitrarily. You know, it's like, you know, we just say things out of the air, you know, and, and that type of thing. But understand this, and please understand it. The exercise of faith is based on knowledge, knowledge of the will of God, knowledge of his word, all right? It is impossible to exercise faith where the knowledge of God is absent. You can exercise worldly faith. I'm talking about godly faith. I'm talking about that faith that brings miracles, that moves mountains, all right? That's the faith I'm talking about. I'm talking about that faith that heals cancer and brings people out of wheelchairs. I'm talking about faith that delivers you and nothing else could deliver you. I'm talking about that kind of faith, right? So if we don't know the will of God and we don't know his word, uh, then it's impossible for us to really exercise that kind of faith. It becomes presumption. It becomes presumption if you, if you don't know the word of God. Talking about the knowledge of God from a biblical perspective is what we're talking about this morning. And not only all of those things, the miracles and all of that, I'm talking about just living every day. How many know that it takes the faith of God just to live every day? Come on now. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've lived a little while. And again, you don't have to live that long uh, to understand that it, it takes the faith of God just to live every day because you have an active enemy who is against you and and, and life <laughs> life just comes against you sometimes I mean I, I, I don't know about you but I you know there's there's times when I'm going along and everything's fine all of a sudden this bill where'd that bill come I didn't even know I owed that thing or so-and-so got sick or someone got in a car wreck or stuff comes out what is that thing life comes at you fast right I mean it's not just a commercial it's true right so we we have to be active we have to be active now, this thing, knowledge, here's uh, four things I want to tell you about knowledge. And if you want to, you can jot these down and then I'll let you go. So knowledge here, the first thing about knowledge is knowledge sustains you. Knowledge sustains you. We know, we, 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 you said, Hosea 4, 6 earlier, my people are destroyed for the lack of of knowledge. Listen to it in uh, the contemporary English version. It's, it, he said, you, he's talking to his priest. He said, you priests have rejected me and my people are destroyed, watch this now, by refusing to obey. For lack of knowledge, for refusing to obey. In other words, it's not just about world, it's not, see again, it's not just information. It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's his knowledge. Jesus once said, all things have been put into my hand. And I remember a time where the disciples were talking to Jesus back in uh, the book of John, and they said, you know, Lord, you speak so plainly. It's, it's, it's clear to us now that you know all things. That's the knowledge I want to tap into. I want to tap into, in other words, Jesus be the man. Come on now. I mean, if we're just going to, I mean, he's the man. He knows all things. And you know, I know it's cliche-ish, but what's left out of all? Nothing. 
He knows everything. That's something. Think about that for a moment. Every single thing, including combinatronics or whatever that word is I said. He knows all of that. So I, to me, that's what I want to tap into. I want to tap into that knowledge. And if you're able to tap into that knowledge, it will sustain you. You'll know the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's, here's something, just an added thing. When you, when you tap into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it also, read Proverbs, it also brings wisdom. So you see, knowledge, the knowledge I'm talking about is more than information. It's also knowing what to do with the information that you have. Right? I mean, uh, it's, it's one thing to, to, to take a test and I got all the information, but which one goes with which question, right? How does it go together? And that's where wisdom comes in. And the knowledge of God gives us that. Proper knowledge about the things I need to know about will keep me from being destroyed. In fact, not seeking, if, if you want to really take it to the limit, not seeking the proper knowledge about God being a Christian is rejecting God. I'll put it that way. It really is. It's refusing, it's rejecting God, and it's refusing to obey God. So, so we need to understand that knowledge sustains you. And I've said this with number two, knowledge is more than information. Ephesians 1, 16 and 19 says this. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You may know, know. He wants you to know what the hope of his calling is. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Knowledge sustains you. And understand that knowledge is so much more than information. Knowledge is, is, is precious. It's the, the knowledge we're talking about here is very precious to us. And I believe it's something, you know, we could use more than just Sunday morning. It, I mean, this knowledge of, I told you, God is so practical. You know, uh, it's, you know, this is what we can use on Monday and Wednesday and Thursday, the knowledge of God. The third thing is this, understand this, knowledge must increase. It must increase. You, can ne you don't get to a plateau with the knowledge of God. I mean, it, you know, that seems tiring, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it seems like, ah. But I'm telling you, at, even at my age now, and I'm sure some others, Sister Jody, Sharon, Brother Carter, uh, you know, others um, who have been around, been, been, been around, you know, two or three weeks longer than me, uh, would, would tell you that they still don't know everything there is to know about God. Right? And so God, God is saying it must increase. It, your knowledge must increase. Colossians 1, 10 and 11 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and watch now, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing. There's no end date. No end date. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. You'll be, it doesn't mean that uh, things won't come against you. It doesn't mean there won't be circumstances. But I always say it. I just, I just want to emphasize it. Uh, it will allow you to walk right through anything that the enemy or life puts in your way. Whether it's walking on water, whether it's getting through a sickness, whatever it might be, you will be able to sustain. <laughs> it will sustain you, all right, because it must increase. 
Uh, the Word of God is forever pregnant, okay? It's forever pregnant. That means that it constantly gives revelation, constantly gives birth to new revelation. There's always something new with the Word of God. Romans, Paul said this in chapter 11, verse 33. He said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He said, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God is so unsearchable. And so our knowledge must increase. It has to. If you love the Lord, the knowledge of God will increase. And then lastly, this. In order for it to increase, in order for it to sustain you, in order for you to understand that it's just so much more than information, in order for it to increase, we must know that knowledge must be sought after. You can't sit at home on the couch and, uh, or in your dorm room or out at the park on the park bench and say, knowledge come to me now. Boom. And now all of a sudden I'm so much smarter by osmosis. <laughs> I mean, some can do that, maybe some of you, but for most of us, for the rest of us who are not maybe that spiritual, uh, you know, knowledge just doesn't come. Knowledge just ain't going to come. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, I know I was, I remember in college, and uh, I went to college while I was working, so I went back to college to finish my degree as an adult. So, I, you know, I was working uh, during the day with my family, and then, you know, I'd do uh, all my work uh, at night, and there were some times where I was just like, look, I'm just too tired. You know, I, I'm, I've been working all day and I've been doing this, you know, just watch the game, game on. I'm just watching the game, you know. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, it's like Thursday and the, the assignments are due on Friday. I mean, I got a six-page paper. I mean, it could be double-spaced. I know that. But still, you know, it's still six pages of stuff I got to do Friday. And, uh, I, you know, I've got like one point. <laughs> you know, I still got to write the introduction. And uh, I sat there. I said, Lord, bring this to me. Come on, turn on the computer. It just ain't going to come. It just, it just doesn't come like that. So what do you do? You're up all night. Y'all know. You're up all night studying. Or maybe you don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm, you know. And, uh, you know, putting it together until the next day. Until you, it, it just ain't going to come. It just doesn't come automatically. There's a time in your life where you, where you have to understand, even with Christianity. See, we understand this with other parts of our life, with our job, with school, uh, even with family, and even sometimes with relationships. But you must understand that what you have with God is also a relationship. And so Christianity... All right, even though our salvation is free and there's nothing you have to do, there's no works that you have to do for salvation, but in order to mature, that we do have to do something. We do have to get up and we have to seek after God. God put it this way. Uh, he said, seek my face while I may be found. Seek my face. And it's a wonderful invitation because when you, when, what he's saying, what's wrapped up in that seek my face, he's not saying just come to me, seek my face and you know, praise me and that's it and I'm not going to give you anything back. What he's saying is seek my face and I will show you all things. You know, my, my spirit will teach you all things. I will give you knowledge that will sustain you because it's more than information. As long as you make it increase and you seek after it, seek my face, God is saying, and while I may be found. If you're faced with a word and you don't know what it means, all right, and you want to know or need to know what it means, what do you do? If you have a word, you don't know what it means, what do you do? Look it up. You go to the dictionary. Well, back in my day, we went to the dictionary, but 
You can just go to Google or, I don't know, they used to have ask.com, but they probably don't have that anymore. Maybe Yahoo or, you know, or, you know, ask somebody who knows. I just go to Brother James and ask him what the word means, you know. But you have to do something, right? You got to go ask or you have to look it up, you know, or do something. Same thing with this. If you want to seek after the knowledge of God, go to your Bible, all right? It may not even be a paper Bible. It might be this, the iPad or the whatever it might be. Go to your Bible. Uh, you know, so we're talking about the knowledge of God. If we want a victorious life, if we want to never fall, never stumble, Second Peter chapter 1 says to add knowledge. Where do we go for it? Bible, prayer. And again, Peter, he's telling you to add. Remember that. He's telling you to add. Knowledge will not come to you by osmosis. You may get a revelation, but it's usually based on prior knowledge. Think about that. Whenever you get some deep revelation, usually it's based on prior knowledge. Sometimes you didn't even know you had the knowledge, but it's knowledge that you had. You have to have the knowledge, and to get the knowledge, uh, you have to do something. Here's what it takes from you. Here's what it takes. And you might just want to finally, if you have any room left, jot these three things down. This is what it's going to take from you. Very, it's, it's deep. Oh, it's really deep. I mean, it's a deep thing. Really, really deep. It takes three things. <laughs> Energy, effort, and time. This is what God is asking for, from you today. These three things. Energy, effort, and time. God is saying to you, seek my face while I may be found.